This episode of the Blue Hawaii podcast featuring Alan Akau and Kaui Pratt Aquino is brought to you by, who else? Royal Thai Garden. That's Royal Thai Garden, the most amazing Thai restaurant on the planet, including Thailand. Go there, mention the Blue Hawaii podcast, get a 20% off your entire order in normal circumstances. Uh, with COVID, I'm not sure. And if they don't give you 20% off, you should just be happy that you're at Royal Thai Garden, Royal Thai Garden, Eva Beach, 96706. Folks, welcome back to the Blue Hawaii Podcast. I'm Ryan Little. Josh Michaels will be joining us in just a moment. Uh, today, we have an interview with two uh, young, inspiring, exceptionally integrity-filled uh, candidates for political office. Um, that would be Miss Kaui Pratt Aquino and Mr. Alan Akau. Uh, Kaui is running for uh, office to represent District 48, which is uh, Kaneohe and uh, the surrounding areas. Uh, and Alan is running to represent District 51, which includes Kailua, Waimanalo, and uh, the surrounding areas. We also want to make sure that we take this time to spotlight uh, a very important fact about Miss Aquino and Mr. Akau, which is the fact that they are both young Hawaiian leaders. Uh, as we've talked about at length several times on this show, uh, there are not enough Hawaiians in the Hawaii state government, the Hawaii state legislature. Hawaiians are traditionally uh, here in Hawaii uh, have been oppressed economically, socially, um, politically, incarcerally, uh, in just about every way that you can think of. And we have two leaders here today. Both of them uh, are wanting to change that. Uh, we don't want to reduce this time to being purely about having two Hawaiian leaders because they're, they are more than uh, their ethnicity. Uh, but at the same time, they bring the culture they bring the perspective, they bring a cultural perspective, they bring uh, a values perspective, they bring a uh, character perspective that is unique to Hawaiian culture and is so sorely needed in Hawaii's government. So uh, back in a minute with an interview with uh, Alan Akau and Kaui Pradaquino. Until then, stay tuned. Podcast magic, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another episode of the Blue Hawaii Podcast. On Zoom. Uh, the one and only on Zoom, the one and only podcast in Hawaii for people who are smart and have good taste. Uh, today with us, we are joined by two wonderful yes. human beings. Um, we are joined by our dear friend. You know him, you love him, you've seen him before. Uh, or seen him, heard him before on our show. His name is Alan Akau. Uh, last time we talked to Alan, he was just busy being a man about town, a general badass. Um, since then, he's won a neighborhood board election and is now running for state house for uh, District 51, which covers Waimanalo and Kailua. And he is also uh, joined by Miss Kaui Pratt Aquino. Uh, Kaui is uh, an attorney, a mom, a wife, a small business owner, a frontline advocate, and an active community member who has dedicated her life 
to helping some of Hawaii's most vulnerable communities. And she is a candidate for district. Kyle, what district? District is it? 48. 48. Okay. And she is a and she is a candidate for District 48 State House, which covers Kaneohe, Kahalu, and Waiahole. Kawi, Alan, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. You both look great. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us. How's it going? Thank you for having us. This is great. We, uh, we've been doing telephone interviews, well. so we can actually see our guests for the first time since all this COVID stuff started. How does my uh, hair look? <laughs> you are in, it looks you are in vision it looks barking good that is Great. politician hair she's got it i i'll tell you let's you know alan our listeners know you a little bit kawi they've never never met you before would you you know i, I gave a very brief introduction but could you guys just tell us a little bit about uh, who you are as a person and why you decided to run for office. We'll start with you. Uh, hey, what's up, everybody? The Hawaii Podcast listeners. Um, my name is Alan Nakao. Um, I we what was that? Blue Hawaii Nation. We prefer Blue, Blue Hawaii, Hawaii Nation. Nation. All the nationals of this this great this great nation uh, that we have here. Um, my name is Alan Nakao. I am running for the State House of Representatives um, in here in Hawaii, District Fifty One which covers um, Wamanalo as well as parts of Kailua, um, Pohakupu, Enchanted Lake, uh, Kiolu Hills, as well as parts of Lanikai. And um, I'm currently a deputy public defender. I'm an attorney. Um, I'm a member of the Kailua Neighborhood Board, the Prince Kuhio Hawaiian Civic Club. I also am on uh, boards for um, some schools, um, some other community groups. And yeah, I, I've known Josh, Ryan, and Kaui. We all went to law school together. That was a a really great networking opportunity, um, but really about friendship and and um, getting to learn about each other. So um, really glad to be on the show as a candidate um, this time. We've definitely had a lot, a lot of political talk in the past, but um, I'm taking that step into um, candidacy for elected office um, and seeing where it takes me. So hey, everybody. And Kawi, would you introduce yourself to our listeners? Help them get to know you a bit. Blue Hawaii Nation. Is that the name of our... We actually... Blue Hawaii... Yeah, we've also been going with uh, Buff and Blue. Because that's like our... Because it's like we're blue and then we're both pretty buff gentlemen. And we we both wear blue a lot. So actually Josh wearing a blue shirt right now. So we've been actually calling ourselves the Buff and Blue. So the people... Us and our friend Barry. Barry. Yeah. Okay, the people of Blue Hawaii Nation are t- tuning in to us. My name is Kali Pratt-Aquino, and I'm running for the State House of Representatives, District 48. And part of the reason I'm running is that, um, aside from being an attorney, I'm also a community organizer, and we have spent a lot of time organizing community to kill bad legislation and fight the good fight that it's more effective that I run for office so that I can bring the community's voice to the table and help our legislature get back on track and start focusing on community. And, and so that's in short, that's basically why I'm running. I'm hoping to help move the needle back to the people's voice and move policy in that direction. The other thing is that I am I am from this community, 
My ohana settled here seven generations ago. I'm active in this community. I love the people in this community. I love the small businesses. I love being an advocate for them. I love being their voice. And I believe that given the right opportunity that I can bring the leadership and representation that this district deserves, especially during this time, during a crisis. Yeah, so I'm really grateful to be here to be talking story with you folks with Buff and Blue. Uh, yeah, so thanks for having me. Uh, you're well, it's our pleasure. And uh, I realize as you uh, as you were giving your story, uh, I completely butchered your last name. I gave you a Mexican pronunciation. So I apologize, Miss Pratt Aquino. Let's start with some of the easy questions. So COVID, how do we fix it? Just kidding. We're not going to start with that question. <laughs> we're going to start with uh, because of COVID right now, uh, there's threatened austerity measures uh, in the Hawaii state government. Um, David Ige, our so-called governor, has said that we are potentially going to furlough workers and or force mandatory 20% pay cuts. Um, if you were elected, this question is for both of you, if, e if either or both of you were elected, would you support austerity measures in the Hawaii state government. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. Um, you know, the research I've seen and the common sense is that austerity measures don't work. And we believe that austerity measures are supposed to help stave off, you know, further or long-term economic harm. Um, save, you know, save now and maybe we'll be okay later. You know, we don't want to spend, right? Because we don't, we don't have resources, but um, it's clear and, you know, I agree with um, Senator Laura Thielen and others who believe we're getting federal resources. We have rainy day funds. We have some of these things that um, are, are, are saved for rainy day. Well, it's raining and it's raining, you know, on some of the most, um, you know, desperately in need members of our community. Right. So, you know, no, I don't support austerity measures. I understand um, that there has to be a way to address budget shortfalls and projections, but we need to help people now. Um, and if we don't, the long-term economic impacts are going to be greater. And we've seen it and history has shown that that's the likely, the likely scenario. So help people get on their feet now. And instead of forcing, you know, people to make tough decisions, you know, themselves it's Hey, we're looking to the government for leadership and guidance. So, we should provide that instead of an excuse that, you know, well, you should have planned for a, a rainy day. And even if you do, that's not enough. Um, and you're not going to get the help that you think you are. So, so uh, to answer your question, you know, I don't believe that that's the way to go. And Cowie, uh, what about you? Are, are you in favor of austerity measures at the state government level? No, I'm not. You know, part of my advocacy work it has been on uh, working directly with communities. So I've seen it firsthand, especially in, in this district. We have families who are, I guess, considered middle-class families in Kaneohe who likely have their own home, who have a nice car. They're, they either have a mortgage or rent and they're suffering now. They likely have not paid their mortgage. They have likely, um, 
not paid their utilities. They're waiting for unemployment for two months so far. So it's to see that kind of, to see that directly and and know that our legislature moved that amount of money into a rainy day fund when our community needs those resources now is very difficult. So to 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 understand to to see that and know what is going on in the ground with our with the different with our community. So I do not do not support that. We need to put money into the pockets of people now they need it now or if we don't do that what will happen is a, a likely another crisis will emerge either people there's going to be mass evictions or people's homes are going to be foreclosed and we really want to try and avoid that to kind of help people through the gap while we try to figure out what we're going to do with our future like what is the plan in the future? Where are we going? Are we going to diversify? Are we going to move um, off of our dependency of tourism? So we need time. And that money through the federal government would help our community by the time that they need. Listeners, uh, Good great answers. answers. Okay. Listeners, for a little more context, if uh, you were cur you're curious about uh, Ryan's rather... Uh, generous framing of the question toward austerity. Uh, the state of Hawaii legislature has decided, you could glean this from the answers, uh, they've decided not to spend any of the money they've been given for COVID assistance, but instead to put it away for a quote-unquote rainy day, uh, as if now wasn't, <laughs> you know, in the midst of a once-in-a-century global catastrophe, something that qualifies as a rainy day. But Kaui, you alluded to this uh, at the end of your answer. We need alternative plans, and one of the reasons... I was so excited to hear both of you were running for office as two young Kanaka Maoli lawyers who have the education, but also the real world experience to make a difference. Can you both tell us a little bit about how, if you get into that square building, what, what are your goals? What is your agenda? What does your vision look like for how you run your, your office and how you represent your district? Well, if I'm elected to office, the first priority I would be, well, I think every single leader and decision maker um, focus should be stabilizing our workforce. We have 37% of people who are unemployed. So we need to make sure that our workforce is stabilized. Now, if that's not taken care of, any other grand visions anyone has won't matter because our community will be falling apart. So we have to stabilize the workforce. And then secondly, if I'm elected, I would really like to focus on um, food security. The pandemic has showed us that we need to move off of our dependency, at least for food, from, from imports. So how can we create a system to start moving that in the direction where we're we're locally sourcing our vegetables and our meats and how can we engage in those kinds of discussions to promote that type of economy that is sustainable long-term. So stabilizing the workforce and food security would be one of the top two issues that I would like to focus on. 
And in addition to affordable housing, that will always remain um, a top priority, especially in Hawaii. But I think those are very important right now. Alan, how about you? Um, yeah, you know, a lot of the questions we get is like, um, whether it's from organizations or unions is, you know, what is your priorities? What is your top three issues? And like, what, as a leader, are you going to do? Um, and, you know, it, it changes so frequently. Um, and it's usually because when we look at COVID-19 and how that's kind of changed it, right? So when we first announced versus a week ago, and even now, sure. right? So adjusting to what the current need is, but we also have to look forward, kind of like how Kawi said is, we need to stabilize now with jobs. Um, and we also have to forecast and be innovative and finding a way forward, right? And we've seen the biggest hit in our economy is our over-reliance on tourism, right? And it's an easy answer to say we need to diversify, but like how Kawi said, the, the actual answer or solution has to be more specific. You know, Kawi mentioned um, diversified agriculture um, and, and some other things. And I think one thing is what research says, and we were already starting towards that, right? I find it kind of insulting by the legislature that they were questioning um, you know, the state departments about how we're going to create overnight, hey, what's your plan for all thousands of new jobs? It, you know, that pressure doesn't give you an answer, but legislature has looked into um, emerging industries. There's reports that show oh, we have some, right? Whether it's increasing agriculture, which is there, um, specialized healthcare, which can fill two gaps, one in which we are experiencing now what do we do with COVID-19 and healthcare, not just um, economic issues, but healthcare issues, right? Um, so specialized healthcare um, and the collateral kind of um, areas that that can mean. So by specialized healthcare, it was like things like nursing home or expertise for um, things like that. But it also could mean someday, you know, production of, of supplies, right? That we would not have to worry about importing it our, our PPE and things from other countries. Um, but the hard thing is starting those things from scratch, right? And we can't, it's, that's not a good plan it's to start new, brand new industries. So going back to diversified agriculture, um, another thing that's been emerging here in Hawaii has been um, film, music, and um, TV production, right? So we have such unique cultural, natural, and uh, geographical resources that so many of these places want to come here to shoot. So working with those industries so that we have a, a mutually beneficial, um, you know, working relationship with um, things like that, right? Making us a, a star of the Pacific, right? You know, there's Hollywood, but, you know, a lot of them come here to shoot Jurassic Park and all these things. Um, and then we also have to really look at um, things for working class people too, right? So making sure that we have protection. So not just what the jobs are going to be or what industry, but do they have protections in place um, for workers that have already existing skill sets? So focusing on that, I think a few other things, I think education, but looking at more than just more money, but how can we actually support the teachers and the administrators um, for, for better educational systems? So instead of throwing money at the problem, try and identify and give um, each district or um, complex area superintendent, those things, and less focus on in, in centralized system. I think a lot of um, schools and teachers want to 
address unique challenges of their school, whether it's rural schools on outer islands, charter schools, schools that have really heavy influx of COFA students, or second ESL um, as a second language, things like that. So giving them some flexibility um, and, and letting them get away from teaching to the test um, may really improve things, but also invest in um, technology. So when COVID-19 happened, they expected teachers to just teach everything online. So, you know, how can we help assist them, especially when students might not have access to those types of things. We need to get that in there. Um, I think both of you explained very well several of the problems facing Hawaii as we try to recover from COVID, uh, not the least of which are, you know, education and community investment, things like that. Um, because we're in an election year, uh, because this is a, a presidential election year, there's going to be a ton of focus on uh, local races, even further above the normal amount, because uh, all politics is national and everybody hates Trump. So we're all looking at, uh, you know, by the way, who else is running? So I'm definitely voting this time. You both are not, neither of you are running unopposed. The voters will have a decision to make, you know, do I want Alan? Do I want Cowie? Uh, you guys aren't running against each other, but, you know, do I want either of both of you uh, versus your opponents? For those listeners or, or those people, those residents uh, of your district or future district uh, who maybe aren't as familiar with you guys, what are your, you know, what would you say your greatest strengths are as uh, candidates, as human beings? Um Callie, I, I'll start with you. Uh, would you mind giving us a little bit of background there? Like, what's your greatest strength? So, with humility, that so if I can just chime in here is, you know, as a Native Hawaiian growing up in a pretty conservative district, it's always hard to talk about myself because that's just not the mm, way yeah. we were raised. But since I am a candidate for office, I do understand that I need to be able to articulate what my strengths are for the people who don't know me. So what I do bring to the table and, and what, I, what I bring to this race is that I believe that I'm an effective leader. So I'm an effective and I'm a strong leader, not because I'm telling you guys that I am. <laughs> um, it's because <laughs> I've engaged in several community-based organizing efforts and we've been able to get achieve success and it's been a lot of work but the thing that I think separates me from my opponent is that I'm not I am willing to go to any lengths to to advocate for the community if it's a just reason meaning that I'm willing to coordinate partnerships go outside of the square building and create that momentum that is needed in order to achieve success. And I believe that's the job of a representative that are, are, if elected, like my job doesn't stop at the building. Like if we're, if our goal is to push policy that is truly going to benefit our community, then we gotta, I have to work as hard as possible to bring those policies to the table and get people informed so that we can get success. So. What if your goal is just to maybe get like a cool cush like seventy thousand dollar a year part time job? Would that 
would that change things? Because that's kind of seems like what most of our legislature is right now. Yeah, what are you guys going to do at, like in a couple terms when it's time to cash out? Like, do you guys have your Bishop Street offices lined up already? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, back to strength. Back to strength. Back to strength. No, I always get scoldings from my husband because <laughs> I do too much pro bono work. <laughs> I'm one of those attorneys. Honey, honey, honey. Like, come on. Like, we actually, we have bills to pay. Law school wasn't free. I put him to the bar exam, and then I'm engaged in all this community advocacy, and he's like, okay, honey, we got to pay the bills. When are you going to- Pico doesn't take pro bono. (laughs) That's exactly right. One day, you're going to meet my husband, and you're going to love him. But can't wait. Yep. Future yeah, you know, I'm not, I believe in term limits. I'm not in there for a lifetime. I believe my job as a leader in general is to lift up the next generation. So to get in, my hope is that we can turn back to some level of 1978 when the constitutional amendments were made. And from my understanding, it was a very diverse group of people, you know, all kinds of ethnicities who had one common goal and that was to create laws and policies for the benefit of our community and i think we need to return back to that kind of collaboration and i'm hoping through all these different candidates including my race that we'll have that opportunity to truly collaborate to lift up communities that's my hope but i'm not in it for the long term i'm in it to to bring about change and hopefully lift up someone else who is willing to carry on that same legacy to represent people. Well, that's sounds like an incredible, uh, incredible amount of integrity that you have. And, uh, it far exceeds the general integrity of the Hawaii state house representative. Can I send my um, utility Alan, bill to you? Uh, of course you can. If you just want me to see how much it is, I'm not paying it. <laughs> Uh, Alan, what about you? What are what are your greatest strengths? Uh, why why should people you know what are they what is it that you're bringing to the table? Um, yeah, I think it's two things. Um, it's experience and, and it's passion. Um, for experience, um, I mean, I I believe I'm the only candidate in my race that has any legislative experience. And yeah, you know, I haven't been a state representative before. Um, but experience at the legislature is knowing the process, being a part of it. Um, I was previously um, the Chief of Staff and Office Manager for uh, for a State Representative Kaniela Ng, um, and I've <laughs> I've worked in that building. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Both I'm, we during like session Kaniela. and during the interim, um, so I understand the day in and day out. Right, everyone thinks January January through May during the legislative session is where all the work's done, but during interim, as you prep bills, have meetings, do constituent concerns that. Um, the legislature might be part-time to some, but work goes on, especially for staffers. Um, and then passion, um, and passion with the local voice, right? We have candidates in the race who haven't lived here for very long, right? You know, they might be transplants and that's great. And they can provide some good insight um, about their experiences, but living and growing up in a community that you love and you cherish and yes, other people can come here and say, oh, I, I moved here and just love Kailua and Wamanala. It's so great. But to be born at Castle Hospital, to go to Enchanted Lake Elementary, Kailua Intermediate and Kailua High School, um, to have my first job at um, the Keolu Theaters um, 
and to be baptized at St. John Vianney, you know, those are things that, that, you know, I don't need proof of how committed I am. It's, it's shown through the things I do, right? How we care for the community. Um, and, you know, that's the strengths I have. And so when I bring that to the table, I think people know I'm, I'm, it's genuine. I'm not trying to prove I'm the smartest guy in the race. I'm not trying to prove I'm better than them. I'm just trying to show that I, I have some really great qualities that I want to highlight and I want them to, to see that side of me. And if they think I'm the best choice um, for them, I'd ask for their vote so that their voice and their representation matches their experience. So I think when you can do that for someone, um, it really speaks to people and, and it's really genuine and thoughtful. I actually, I, when you, when you talk about your connection to the community, um, I remember we had recorded an episode one time with you and afterward we were talking about, you know, if you could have any job in the world, what would you want? I don't know how we got onto this. And you were like, if I could have any job in the world, I'd want to be like, I would, I would want a job that would allow me to fix Hawaii's public schools. And I was like, any job in the world. And you were like, any job in the world and so i i remember from that moment on just being like this is a guy that loves the hell out of his community so i your your message really resonated with me and also i mean you know proud kailua grad Uh, i think it's really cool that you that you went to that you went to public school that you're not part of the The blue elite uh born into power (laughs) hawaii oligarchy yeah I, i not to be confused with the buff and blue, which is uh, me and Josh, uh, our uh, mascot for the buff and blue and white might be. This one you thought we couldn't get any howler. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, at the time, you know, you got you you meant, you alluded to this earlier, talking about you know the issues are changing so frequently and the severity of the issues are changing so frequently certainly from the time you both entered your respective races as compared to now. What's it been like campaigning in the age of COVID? Or not campaigning, I should say. And how's that How's that going and getting your message out in this new normal? I guess I'll jump in first. Um, well, first things first is, even though things have changed, I don't think I've changed as a candidate. Um, I, you know, I don't want it to define, COVID to define me or... Um, what I'm bringing to the table. So when people say, oh, you know, you, you know, you're going to change, right? Because of COVID, I'm like, you know, I'll, I'll adapt to what COVID is doing, but my messaging is the same, right? There's no change in my experience or my passion. Um, so I want people to know that I, I have been criticized for not doing enough. And I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I want to do more, but, you know, I think the best route is to be respectful of, other people's struggles, right? So when we see nurses and we see first responders saying, you know, I'm, I, I wear the mask to protect you. So wear the mask to protect me. I really take that to heart. So it's been hard because, you know, I believe my messaging as like a grassroots candidate um, is best door to door and getting to meet people and sit down with them and um, really get a genuine connection. Um, But, you know, having to do, more social media and internet and video engagement um, is great, but you know I want it to be more um, more genuine and more face to face. I think that gives you 
um, a real connection to the people. And, you know, so I think not being able to sign wave door knock um, has been hard on me. Um, but I understand respectfully why I'm, I haven't been doing those things yet um, as we figure out what's appropriate and what's not. Um, and others have also said, hey, why haven't you done more COVID updates or given out masks or did some of those things? And I really appreciate when others do that. And I feel like they, they filled that gap really well. I know Kali has provided a lot of those you know, items for her community. So I want to update people on social media and things like that about COVID resources. But I also, there's a lot of bad information and I don't really want to be the person who decides what's good and what's bad and, and what's right and what's wrong. So um, I post resources when I can, when I think it's appropriate, um, but don't want to make my my campaign about, I'm the guy who, who got us through the COVID crisis. I think that you know, I want people to understand that I can be a great leader even after COVID, right? And I and I bring the perspective is then what's next, right? And I can answer that question and, and provide some context about what that's going to mean. And uh, Kawi, what about you? How is, you know, how's it been campaigning in the, the time of coronavirus? If you can see, you guys can see me. Like, I have tons of concealer under my eyes because I haven't slept for about three months. <laughs> Um, oh, I just so, have dark circles under my eyes. That's why. I, that's why I have the concealer. Broke out. We, you know, I launched my campaign in October, and I have, we, my team, and I have been very active in uh, campaigning prior to COVID. But when the pandemic hit, from a candidate, I transformed into a community organizer because I'm most comfortable in that role when dealing with crisis so as a community organizer we've launched several efforts in this community to help people like people are suffering right now so i put my i basically well as a candidate i launched i put some of my campaign funding into the malama meals program by uncle glenn's hawaiian food that's not the same Malama Meals Program that was recently shut down by the Department of Health. It was a different Malama Meals Program, but put some money into that business. Uncle Glenn's was shut down by one of the mayor's initial orders. Small business in our community put some money there that allowed her to provide essential meals to at-risk kupuna. So that was a part of my campaign. And then from there, I transform into a community organizer and we launched a food drive in our community. We've done uh, mass distributions, um, a small business registration at the, at my home. I've, I've, we've done, well, I have engaged in a lot of work during this time, but as far as campaigning only recently, have I shifted back to my campaign and have recently engaged in direct camp campaigning, but it's hard now, you know, people are stressed. They don't know what they're going to do, how they're going to pay their bills. So it's been difficult as a candidate, but I guess I'm trying my best to, to be conscious about the status of, our community and where they're at and what kind of needs and, but still try to get the message 
across that our district needs new leadership, stronger leadership that can help them get through the crisis. So it's a fine balance, um, but we are trying to do it as best as we can. And uh, so we've we've heard, uh, you know, about, you know, the, you guys' strengths, some of the, the stuff you've been dealing with in your campaign, uh, a little bit about your vision. I, I'm curious, you know, the voters, I think, want to, they want to know that they want to, I think they want to know the person who they're voting for a little bit. They want to know something about them. They want to know, you know, uh, what this person likes, what they dislike. Uh, what are, you know, what are some of your favorite things about your district? What are, what are the things that make district 48? What are the things that make district 51? What are the things that make them special? The interesting, the thing I love about my community is that we care about one another. And, I, and I'm sure that's, that exists in other communities, but what the pandemic has highlighted in our community is that when one, one business or one individual is suffering, then there's a load of other people who are gonna jump in and support that business or person. And, and I've seen that consistently throughout the pandemic and I'm appreciative of that. And they're very humble about that. So the one thing I love about our community is the people and their hearts and, and wanting to help others is what I believe makes our community the best in the world. And Alan, what, what would you say for, for district 51? What, what, uh, what makes it special? I mean, I think you and Josh know, um, I'm a proud Kailua High School graduate and, you know, representing Kailua um, and then representing the windward side. Um, I really think it's this um, sense of place, right? So having Kailua and Wamanalo, um, it's challenging, right? When people say, well, those are like two different worlds, um, you know, even though they're right next to each other. But windward side and especially uh, my connection to Kailua High School, you know, there's no Wamanalo High School unfortunately, but, you know, the vast majority of the students come from those two communities. So, you know, being a surf rider, having that spirit um, and that passion to really appreciate the sense of place, the sense of community, right? And, you know, having a, being a good neighbor, you know, realizing that, you know, the people in this community, whether they were born and raised for, you know, seven generations, or if they're a new family, you know, they really appreciate, you know, how lucky we are to be able to shop at the same places and eat at the same restaurants and, you know, feel a part of this community. And yeah, you feel it in other places, but it's it's growing that connection because just like how Kali said, you know, Kaniohe and those areas, once you become a part of this windward side community, you really feel that. You know, and for me, it's it's almost undefinable other than saying, you know, I have a strong sense of place, right? People always ask you, oh, where are you from or what school you went, right? And I think having a strong response, like, oh, I went Kailua, oh, I'm a surf rider, um, that confidence that comes with knowing where you're going to go home to and where you're going to shop and where you're going to eat really speaks volumes to me. 
again, passion for the community is not something that anyone would accuse you of lacking. <laughs> so listeners of the listeners of the show who are well acquainted with us uh, know that Ryan and I are perpetually afflicted with a condition known as Hauli-itis. So mm. respectfully to the two of you, uh, I'm going to have to ask you both to please kanaka explain for us. As two young, badass Hawaiians looking to make change, what is it about this election specifically in 2020 in these circumstances that we live in that you're seeing that resonates with you but is also so what is it that makes it so critical for native hawaiians coming up in this election to get involved and to to vote and uh how about alan we'll start with you um yeah i think um i spoke a little bit about it and we'll continue to speak about it is um representation you know being a young hawaiian um you know our legislature does not have a lot of Hawaiians um, in elected office, in leadership positions. So, you know, I want to see, you know, again, if I'm going to be a role model and a leader, um, I want to be able to provide for younger generations to see, oh, look, a public school grad, a Kailua grad who looks like me, who went to go, you know, cruise at the same beach spots and went to the same restaurants as me can be in politics and can be in leadership roles. Um, so I think representation um, is, is one important factor and also a cultural connection, right? We have a lot of people speaking for this this state, the, its resources, its heritage, right? And using Hawaiian words and phrases and, and I, you know iconography to promote itself, right? And the state wants to promote itself as you know, this Hawaiian paradise and all these beautiful things, but to have someone make those decisions without a cultural connection to place and, and to its people, you know, I think we have to do a better job of, um, you know, connecting those dots. So those are, you know, some of the reasons why as a Hawaiian, and I think the, some of the qualities I've had is why well, I lived it, right? And I think Kaui agrees that, you know, we have brown skin and we have, a name like a cow or a name like Kau'i that reflects um, the power that names and culture carry with us every day. And so I think, you know, I want to be someone that people can look up to and not say, you know, it's because of his name or because of his heritage, but in fact, really idolize that and say, wow, I can do that because my name is this or this is my culture. And uh, Kaui, what about you? I believe that as a Native Hawaiian, you, you know, making the decision to run, I thought it through and I want, and I have made myself available to ensure that others who have the desire to run are not afraid to do it. And I'm still available now that having fear of running for public office shouldn't prevent other Hawaiians or other leaders from running and I'm hoping through my candidate, you know, my, my candidacy that we, you know, Alan and I and others running can show others, other people in our community, including young Native Hawaiian leaders that they can too. Um, so that's number one. And I agree with Alan that there needs to be stronger representation in all of levels of government. There needs to be more Native Hawaiians in those decision-making roles. 
right? So that our policies reflect the, the population in Hawaii and there's not enough of us in government now. And I also feel that principles from our culture can actually benefit our state, like aloha aina. That is another way of how do we make Hawaii more sustainable. And our kupuna had those answers. They practiced it for thousands and thousands of years. And we need to do more of that. So, so I believe we can bring those principles into our government and embed them in policy. We did that in my own community through stopping a development here, the principle of Aloha Aina. And it wasn't just Native Hawaiians at the table. It was a diverse group. We had Japanese Americans, we had Portuguese, we had Filipino people involved, and we were all practicing Aloha Aina to care for the land. And so I believe that Hawaiians can bring that perspective to the table and it will benefit our state long term. So that's my hope moving forward. So uh, both of you, um mentioned you know being uh wanting to uh, inspire another generation of hawaiians uh and show them and, and the rest of the state you know how hawaiian values can help lead um alan you mentioned how you know the state likes to commercialize hawaiian uh, concepts and and hawaiian uh words mahalo for that idea by the way um and uh, that was that was a joke. I mean, it was tasteless, but I, I, it's. I mean, you're right. So, what I want to know is, what are the, what Hawaiian leaders inspired you? Who are the people that taught you those values, and who made the impact in you that made you want to run for office? I actually gave this answer, and he's actually been on a guest. We mentioned him um, on the show earlier, Tommy Waters, right? And for a variety of reasons. Yeah. And actually at the Young Democrats panel, um, they said the same thing, who is like someone you look up to as a leader. And I said Tommy and one, because, you know, being Tommy Aloha, his nickname, and I know you guys, you know, he really does live that. And he, he doesn't do it to commercialize himself or he doesn't, he didn't give himself that nickname or put it as a slogan, but he just lived it right through his personality, through his leadership style by being available and always, you know, even in times where he was criticized, having the ability to, to just be positive and be willing to work through a solution. And also um, on the other side is he, he represented this community before, right? You know, so he, he actually was the state representative. I think that, you know, they may have re redrawn the lines a little bit, but he was, um, he represented a lot of this, this community prior. And he has a similar work path that I have. When he first ran for office to be a state representative, he was at the office of the public defender. And, you know, I really um, saw a lot of myself in him. And, you know, we live different lives, right? Um, and we're in different places. Um, you know, he, he didn't go to Kylo High School. Um, I know he, he went somewhere else, but he still brought a lot of things to my attention and he lived it and he's continuing to live it too. So, um, you know, I would say someone like council member, Tommy waters. Excellent. I, I love Tommy. He's an incredible leader and, and, uh, just 
an excellent, excellent uh, representative for his community. I couldn't agree more. And uh, Kaui, what about you? So the person I look up to is not a political leader. It's my father, based on his own personal experience out of poverty and working his way out of that and, and supporting our family. I think he's, you know, I love his story. There are seven seven in his family. They lived in a two-bedroom home in Ka'alaia. Um, they didn't have much. The ocean, the the land was his playground. He was an avid diver and he was able to get out of poverty on his own merit. He was a self-made type of success story who took himself to the military and got into the federal government, blue collar worker, worked his way up out of blue collar into white collar. So I look up to him because of the the pathway he's taken. I see my own pathway as an extension of his. I'm a first generation college graduate and a first generation lawyer. And I know that my I'm not alone. I know that many uh, there's many other people in Hawaii and across the nation who have similar stories, but navigating new territory. And now I'm a, a political candidate. So it's kind of like those are the kinds of people that I look up to who have who have faced adversity and who have been able to work really hard to make something of themselves. Yeah. So if if I had to choose someone I look up to, it would be my father, of course. That's awesome. In in this election, what do you guys see, you know, 2020 and beyond? What are the the biggest issues facing the native Hawaiian community? here in Hawaii. Kaui, how about we start with you? One big issue is Mauna Kea. So that has morphed into a movement, an international movement. And I do not believe it's going away. So we need to keep focus on that issue. Um, So that's one, Mauna Kea. And then the other thing I think is a really huge issue is water rates. We need to restore water to allow Native Hawaiians to grow traditional foods and practice customary and traditional rights. That's a huge issue in our community that needs to be addressed. Our laws provide for water to be restored. We need to fulfill those basic mandates so that Hawaiians can be more healthy, grow their own traditional foods and so it, if, if I had to choose two, it would be Mauna Kea and water rights would be the top two issues in our community. And Alan, what about you? What do you think the, the biggest issues facing the Native Hawaiian, Native Hawaiian community here in Hawaii in 2020 and beyond are? I think one is healthcare, or, you know, not just healthcare in the general sense, but um, looking at social and economic and medical justice, right? Um, environmental justice, and specifically it's, you know, why Hawaiian communities or areas with high Hawaiian populations seem to be the pilot programs or places in where, um, you know, solar arrays go up, where dumps are located, um, where resources are lacking, um, but, you know, we're bearing, their, their 
kind of bearing the brunt of um, these pilot programs, even things like affordable housing, right, or homeless shelters, things like that. We want those we want those places um, and those things tucked away in areas that you know the larger community can swallow. Oh, it's okay because it's over there, right? And it's it's in those communities, but we can't have it on our Waikiki beaches, you know. So I I I want to bring some equity um, and also open up so that people see it, see the problem, and so we really address it, right? So those would be some things I think that as Hawaiians, right, whether it's over-incarceration uh, of certain offenses, um, whether it's um, dealing with the homeless, right, um, our homeless, you know, the homeless population is not the issue. It's society's agreement that homelessness as a status of a person is wrong, and we should find ways to correct that and it does affect our Hawaiian community um, in, in such a way and then again like I mentioned before you know why um, you know environmental projects energy projects or or things that you know people don't want around like building jails or prisons um, end up in places because of nimbyism or not in my backyard type of a feeling that it's okay if it's in areas where the Hawaiians are. Um, so that, that I think couples with why representation is so important, right? If the representatives from affluent communities, you know, try and keep those things isolated to areas that don't affect their community, it really hurts the overall improvement of our of our society and our and our community here in Hawaii. So um, those would be things I really see um, that are quite, you know, kind of wide ranging, but I feel like affect us in a really deep level too, not just statistically, but generational hurt that is going to be hard to address when we don't see it um, as a long term as a long term project to to address it um, and get ahead of it. Well, we're we're coming a little bit up on our towards the end of our interview. Uh, I wanted to give both of you uh, an opportunity just to sort of make your case um, to the voters, make to tell them, you know, one more time, you know, they've they've got what's at uh, stake. You or they've got tell them what's choices. at stake. What's at stake? What's at Why stake? Why should we care? What what? Yeah, you why don't watch we, you don't why watch the news. Get out and vote for for you. Don't worry, this is the last. This is the last serious question. Alan, uh, can we get you to answer that one first? So thanks for the question, Ryan. Yeah, um, for me, why someone should vote for me, or you know, what's at stake here? Um, you know, I want people to know that I'm trying to engage um, in a genuine way. Um, more than I want someone to vote for me, I want people to vote, um, and I think it's important because engagement. Um, has been so low because either there wasn't any options, right, for the people you voted for. Um, so I wanted people to have someone they can relate to, have someone that they could see their own experiences in. So rather than just vote for me out of loyalty because they know me or we went school together, um, instead of voting for me because I'm the first name on the ballot or my name sounds familiar, um, I want them to vote for me because I earned their vote, right? whether I vibe with them about um, a specific issue, whether they think that I have the best qualities that will make a good legislator. And campaigning isn't just about um, the campaign portion, right? Legislators kind of have to fill two roles. They have to campaign and then they have to legislate. 
And, you know, I don't want them to say, wow, Allen's great at campaigns. I want them to believe in the potential that, wow, Allen's going to be a great legislator, you know, because that's what their job entails. So um, I think these people should vote for me because um, they see something in me that they can get behind, whether it's my law degree and my knowledge of the legal system, whether it's my legislative experience um, working in the building. So I don't have to really worry about um, figuring out the job if I were to get it, I already know that I can do it. Um, or the passion and support I have for this community. Those are things that I, uh, you know, absolutely want to do. And um, I'm a public servant now. And I want to make sure that um, I continue to serve in the best way. So I'm really glad um, to um, do that if given the chance. And Kali, uh, what about you? Why, you know, what's at stake in your district? And, you know, one more time, why, why should people vote for you? Well, I'm hoping that people vote for me because they believe in my leadership. They believe that I can bring their voices to the table, which I, be- I believe is missing from the legislature right now. If the pandemic has taught us anything is that our leaders in general have fallen short in meeting the basic needs of our community. I know that based on my past advocacy work that I would not abandon our community in that way or ask them to be patient to wait for them to fix a system when I believe that we could have fixed it quickly. And and the system, I'm talking about unemployment. Unemployment's been broken for three months. That's unacceptable, especially in the world that we live in right now where technology is is that our feet where we can fix that system and I believe in a week. So in making that decision on who they're gonna vote for, I ask that they look at my track record of advocacy. They look at what I have done in the community and they measure me up to my opponent and see what kind of representation they would like. What I can say is that is that my plan is to bring their voices to the table so that they don't have to work so hard to engage in any legislative process, whether it's on the state level or on the county level. I don't believe our working families should have to work so hard to push common sense solutions that that is the job of our representative. And I wanna be able to do that for our community I'm confident that I can bring that kind of leadership to the legislature if given the appropriate chance. And so looking forward, what I believe is that we need bold and decisive leadership, especially during this challenging time to help Hawaii through the crisis, but also into the future. And that's creating out of the box solutions for sustainability so that we don't have to go through this again. And I, I, I believe I can bring that to the table. So, and I'm available. If anybody wants to talk to me, I'm happy to talk to, talk to you. You can email, email me at kaui4hawaii at gmail.com or you can call me. 3931948 I would love to talk to you to hear your concerns. Is that your personal number? That is number? my personal number and 
people oh. I don't mind giving it to people it's on every single promotional material because I be- I keep on saying I believe but it people should have access to to their representative at all times they should be able to feel like they have a relationship with that person they can trust that person they can go to that person and talk story about issues that are that they're facing. So that's why I give out my number and my email because I want our community to know that I am available to them. I think the only other person who's given out their personal phone number on this show, the only one I can remember is a close friend of the show, now uh, city councilman, Tommy Waters. And Tommy. We love Tommy. And obviously- You know, he gave out his cell phone number and then got elected. That's a good omen. And that's what I'm saying. I I don't. I'm not saying you get the personal cell phone number bump, but he maybe got the personal it cell phone hurt. number bump. I don't know. Thank you, so, uh, folks. If you want to, yeah. If and if you want an accessible legislator, Kawi Pratt Aquino. Is, All right, Alan. Now's your chance. I mean, Just see if you can match can... it. Actually, um. I actually do put all of my, I actually do put my, my phone number. I also agree. Um, and I did learn this from Tommy. So on my social media, on my website, um, on my business cards, I actually do have my actual cell phone number also on there. I've had people call me and then I also gave it out freely. Um, when I was running for neighborhood board, it was also on my, the business card. So, um, I'll say it on, I'm proud to say what it is. 808-454-3511. Um, that's my cell phone number. Hey. Um, you can also you can also get number. at me at um, Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, any of those social media platforms. My website. Um, you know, I'm looking to engage, and I think just like Kauai, um, you know, there's really no shame. You know, any question, you know, I'm free to try and help, um, and that's what I want to do. Right? Like I said, I want to earn people's votes, and you know, no issue is too big or too small. You know, I might not always be the right person. Um, but like Kali said, being able to work um, with the right people and using my network to help our community is is a great strength I think I have. And, um, you know, whether it goes to voicemail, you know, I promise I call you back. Uh, it's the same as with my clients. You know, I my my clients don't have my number. They, they call my work phone. Um, yeah, well, do. I mean, I do have I do have clients <laughs> that have my cell phone number um, as well, but you know, trying to keep um, the calls where they should be going. So I know that it's work-related versus community-related. Um, that's really the biggest things that it goes to the right place um, for the quickest response. Oh, you got to tell your clients to listen to our show, man. <laughs> well, my clients, if you guys don't know, they are um, innocent until proven guilty. So you're right. They should have the opportunity to hear me speak. And um, you know, I think they'd really like the show. If they if they got you as their attorney, they're probably just always innocent. They're probably they don't ever get proven guilty. That's the that's the Alan and Cal difference. No promises. <laughs> okay, listeners of the previous shows will uh, no doubt remember Alan and Cal's fine answers to many of our standard questions. But but Cowie, it's your turn as a brand new friend of the show. Uh, when restaurants are back open, full seating, what is the first restaurant in your district that you're going to? I have to say, Holly Eva Joe's. For a juicy prime rib and their baby cakes. Yum. Excellent. Can't okay. argue with that. And then the other one. Uh, you, while campaigning, were, uh, were unfortunately shipwrecked, but you managed to bring with you 
uh, one book, one movie, and one album. What did you bring? Probably a Turkish drama that has 100 Perfect. series on okay. one video, one CD or whatever it is. A fiction book. Okay. And, and what was the other? I don't know what book. Any book. Okay. Any book? <laughs> Phone book? Any no. fiction book. <laughs> Uh, if it, if she said fiction book, so okay. So it was a a book, uh, probably a history book, uh-huh. a history book from another country. Okay. I, I love to learn about other countries, so a history book. Okay, and and then what about uh for an album? It's got to be Motown. Ooh, any any particular Motown artist that uh that's getting played right now in in your playlist? Marvin Gaye. I mean, who can argue with that? All right, and so uh, final questions here. What is the first thing that you want to do once you're elected to office? What's your what's your first official act as a legislator, the representative for District Forty Eight, Miss Kaui Pratt Aquino? Get to work and fix unemployment. Build them a new system immediately. Immediately. I love it. And Alan, what about you? What's your first official act as a state representative for District 51? Uh, the first thing I do is I would schedule um, visits and meetings um, at all of the public um, and private schools in my districts. Um, so I want to make sure that, you know, when it's the next school year and looking forward, um, want to see what what the issues are on the ground, what I can do to help the teachers and then the students, right? That's our pipeline to a future. So I want to make sure that um, I can provide whatever resources and support to the schools and the community. So if elected, the first thing I would do is I would call and schedule time to visit on campus, or if we're still practicing social distancing uh, meetings with um, all of the school administrators, as well as teachers from all the schools in the district. Guys, it was awesome. It was an absolute privilege to talk to you both, uh, especially during these times when we're all starved for human contact. It's great to hear from two people involved in Hawaii politics who might actually give us hope. Uh, Kaui Pratt Aquino, Alan Akau, thank you so much for joining us. Blue Hawaii Podcast. Vote. 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 Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii. Blue Hawaii.